You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, DLTs and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we're going to be revisiting the applications of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies within the gaming industry. To take a close look at the various use cases of blockchain in gaming, we're joined by a very special guest, Adrian Crayon. Adrian is the CEO and founder of Spielworks, which is the company behind the Wombat Wallet. Wombat Wallet supports EOS and Telos blockchains and today has over half a million users. Spielworks also recently launched Wompley, which is a gaming rewards platform that uses EOS tokens to reward its users. We are really happy to have this opportunity to discuss with Adrian how blockchain tech is making its way into the gaming industry, what are some of the key use cases where blockchain tech adds the most value, and of course learn more about Spielworks and the work that they're doing to take us closer to mass adoption. So Adrian, a very warm welcome to you from both of us. Hey, thanks for having me. To start off, could you give us a quick story about your background in the gaming industry prior to blockchains and then how you entered the blockchain and crypto space and maybe lay out your path uh, up to founding your company Spielworks? Sure. Um so I've actually been a gamer ever since I've been a little kid. So I I played everything. I played Amiga, Atari, Game Boy, NES, Super Nintendo, um PC, all the things PlayStation and so on, right? Um so I used to I used to game a lot. Um and I also started programming very early on. So I actually programmed my first game when when I was like 8 or 9. It was a trading simulation, it was very <laughs> very funny all text and so on that was in the in the early 90s. And so I, my my dream always was to kind of do something in the gaming industry, but I've never actually gotten gotten there until actually quite recently. Um, because I, I went on to study mathematics and computer science, um, and then joined Deutsche Börse, um, which is the largest stock exchange operator in Europe. And, uh, there I was actually building markets for commodities. So that actually gave me a super deep insight into how markets work and how, how uh, trading systems are being developed and run. And then um, I actually went on to found my own company, which was a tech company, a software development company. And during that time, I discovered Bitcoin. So that was my first dip into into blockchain. That was early 2013, where I bought Bitcoin for the first time and got, got hyped with it super fast, like pretty much everyone, I believe. Um, and that didn't really let me go. Um, I was... I was quite skeptical about Ethereum in the beginning, which turned out to be false, obviously. Um, so then uh, late 2016, we actually started building on top of Ethereum and offering services with my old software company. Um, and that actually led us to uh, to found Spielworks early 2018. And there we actually discovered that gaming has a very high likelihood of being adopted um, or of adopting um, blockchain at a very large scale in the mass markets, and I guess we'll we'll get 
get to why in a second. But um, yeah, that, that's something that we discovered um, quite early on when we were looking at all kinds of, of industries and uh, into their potential uh, to adopt blockchain and bring it to, to mass market, really. Um, so that's when we decided to build Wombat and later on OnePlay. So we launched Wombat uh, in June 2019. So it's been around for over a year and a half. And as you said, we have over now over 600,000 users and um, are the biggest uh, EOS mainnet on-ramp for, for new users. Oh, that's awesome. Like you said, uh, probably I think uh, the next logical question would be, so why gaming, right? I mean, given that uh, I know you were a gamer, but your background was in uh, in uh, Deutsche Börse and you have a financial background, one would have thought, you know, the logical next step would be to go into DeFi or uh, do something in the financial space for blockchains. Why did you feel that uh, gaming was the better opportunity? Well, actually, games and markets aren't that much different, right? Um, so in pretty much all modern games, there is some economic part to it, right? Um, and we have a lot of in-game assets that actually form in-game economies. And uh, these in-game economies and these in-game assets can actually be put on the blockchain. It doesn't always make sense, but it, it, it makes a lot of sense in many cases. And it, this can then lead to actual ownership of these assets by the users and by the players. And uh, they can start dealing with these assets as if they were like not virtual, not just in games, but just like physical assets that they may own or, or hold in their, in their like usual life. Right. Um, and uh, gamers are actually very much used to these digital assets. They have a very deep understanding of what it means to deal with such assets. Um, what they're not necessarily used to is that there's a global scarcity, right? <laughs> Just like with Bitcoin. So um, typically in games, there is an abundance of um, of these assets. So in World of Warcraft, you can imagine there is no, no cap to how much gold can be farmed, right? But on the other hand, there are a lot of assets where um, where game publishers and game developers actually say or claim that um, it's it's a scarce or or limited good right so there are like a lot of skins a lot of like weapons that you might be be getting where they say okay that's a one out of hundred or one of ten or one of one right and there's no way they could prove that there is actually only one so this is where blockchain comes in and um, gamers can actually have a guarantee that there is only limited supply of their assets. They can own them and they can do with them whatever they want, become more independent of what the what the game publisher wants to do with it or how they want to handle things. That's a great uh, point, uh, Adrian. So just to kind of elaborate a little bit on that or double click on a few things. So you said that, you know, gamers have this strong connection with uh, in-game assets or digital assets and that uh, uh, you wanted to kind of take it away and make this kind of provable that okay this this particular asset is provably scarce right uh, but and correct me if i'm wrong 
what is the incentive for the uh, people who run the game to actually make that claim? I mean, like, for example, you take took uh, World of Warcraft. If World of Warcraft, the developers or the publishers of World of Warcraft say that, okay, this asset is, uh, you get this particular sword only if you uh, beat this particular boss uh, and uh, or you complete this particular quest and uh, there's only a hundred of them. I mean, that's that's part of the game's rules, right? And by participating in the game, you're kind of accepting that this is the rules that uh, Blizzard set. Uh, why is it important or why is it more beneficial to prove that there's only a hundred of it? Um, well, gamers are a very particular type of people, right? They spend days, weeks, months, years playing games. They spend hundreds and thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of dollars playing games and spent like in these games, right? That's a lot of investment people put into these games and they have no way of protecting this, right? They, they, they have no chance of getting it back ever. So um, obviously that, and we'll get to that in a second, that um, means that they will stick around with the game for really long because they can't kind of monetize that in any way. So they would basically keep keep playing a game, not abandon it, uh, simply because they have so much to lose, right? Um, which is good for the publisher in a way. Um, but for the gamers, they have no say in like what happens to their um, to their assets, right? And there's been so many occasions where gamers wanted to sell their accounts over eBay or <laughs> other platforms, and the publishers banned them because that's that wasn't according to their T's and C's, and these gamers were basically left with nothing after they wanted to to leave the game, right? And they spent maybe they spent a thousand or a few thousand dollars, and and like months of their lifetime uh, in that game and now they, they there is no way for them to to actually get anything of that back so they will also or they might also not spend as much time and money as they might have if they knew this investment will actually pay back at some point so this is a question uh, which is somewhat related to the point that you mentioned Adrian about the provable scarcity of game assets right there was this time when decentralized marketplaces for game assets were becoming this uh, new norm. So before, uh, in order to trade these very assets that you were talking about, people would need to go to a centralized exchange and, uh, you know, the, the exchange would actually be making a fee out of this, right? So what do you think about the decentralized marketplaces for game assets? Uh, do you see them picking up or are there going to be new revenue models for game developers? So like, let's say any time a specific sword or another weapon is sold you have a smart contract which automatically gives a share out of that to the game developer do you see some of this being built into the economics yeah totally i mean um maybe let's let's step back just a tiny little bit because nikhil has also asked about incentives for the game developers to actually adopt that and um this is exactly the the, the reason why the mass market games haven't adopted that yet 
because there is no incentive for um, successful game publishers to adopt blockchain in their current and working block, um, game ecosystems, right? In fact, it's um, a moat, right? I mean, you're kind of holding your audience in the palm of your hand. You're not giving them any options. Exactly, and why would they, right? I mean, if you're if if you're developing Fortnite or like any other of the currently um, very successful games, these are effectively money printing machines. Once you've made it that far, you don't you're not giving that up, right? There is no incentive to actually start building blockchain into that and experimenting with it if if you're a billion dollar company and this is your flagship product right you're, that's you're not doing this um so basically what what i think and what we think at spielworks is that um this will be adopted by challengers which then will force or pressure the the current industry to actually adopt it as well because what's what's really fascinating is this kind of feeling that we have from a lot of people who have played blockchain games and um, didn't want to get back to usual games because they thought, why would I? What? Are, why would I play that? Why would I spend money in that? Because I'll never get anything back. So once they've tasted this kind of thing, even even if the games that they played that have made use of blockchain are nowhere close to the quality that you can get. In like traditional games, they are actually they are actually really hooked up with blockchain gaming and this type of oh I can keep some of my stuff um, and, and or sell it later on so I'll always have some way of monetizing this. So now if if this is what what's happening right if if we think that um, blockchain gaming will mostly be adopted by newcomers like first. And then by uh, more traditional companies later on, in a, like softer ways probably than than hardcore, um, hardcore. Okay, we build all the economy and all the items and all the assets on the blockchain, and we make everything decentralized, um, right? Then they will also have softer ways of um, of adopting this. And what what you said, Krishna, is exactly um, what what we think might might be a good way of adopting this, which is issuance of um, of assets that may have utility in the game, but actually are on the blockchain that may not directly interfere with the game economy, right? Um, and that you could make tradable. Um, so that way, as you said, as you suggested, you could actually earn a commission on every sale um, on any marketplace, right? That's like there are protocols that have been adopted where no matter on which marketplace um, an asset gets sold, there is a 5% or 3% commission that goes to the issuer of the asset. Um, that is a very valid model. So you could even give these assets out for free, right? You don't even have to sell them. You could make them, you could make gamers earn them and uh, whenever they want to trade them, you're you're making a little bit of money. So you would actually encourage these people to trade these assets, right? So this could be something like, imagine there's a VIP system, and you can buy into this VIP system in a game, right? These VIP this VIP system 
typically these these are mostly for convenience so you don't have to claim something all that often or can automate a few more things so it's not really pay to win in these vip systems they're just convenience features right and now you could imagine that instead of paying a fee every other month like um let's say like five dollars a month to get this uh, to get this vip status you could just be holding um, an nft uh, a non-fungible token a collectible that you can earn through a tournament in the game, right? And so long, as long as you hold this asset in your wallet, you will be eligible to have these VIP, um, VIP this VIP status, right? And then you can mint only like ten thousand of those, make them tradable, make them nice, nicely looking, right? And people will start trading them. But as soon as they are not interested, as soon as they don't are not interested in that VIP status anymore. They might want to sell it for I don't know, like how much is that? What's the what's the discounted cash flow of such an such an item then, right? And um, make some money on the uh, fees that are being produced with that uh, transfer. So that's a very valid model. Just to elaborate a little bit on that. So uh, obviously, building a platform or a marketplace like this, uh, it's a it's a different product from building a game, correct? It involves, uh, obviously, building the supply side, building the demand side, price discovery, and all of that. There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of uh, theory, and there's a whole bunch of design and thinking that goes around that. Um, so when you think about all of this, right, you start thinking in terms of, okay, if I want to empower the newcomers, right, and the, the challengers to the big uh, gaming companies right now, and we are building this like uh, a platform. Perhaps you know it might be more valuable if you have multiple small games on this platform, and each of them are interoperable, so that these assets can be moved around between games and not just within a game. And uh, uh, when you start going down that path, you start thinking in terms of as a developer, I start thinking in terms of standards and you know <laughs> uh, how how APIs and how these things can uh, how how these things can interact. What do you think is the maturity of blockchain gaming in that sense, uh, in the sense of, you know, uh, building the tools and building these platforms uh, and making that available to uh, game developers? Yeah, I think that's a generally a long process um, because first, game developers have to understand what kind of benefit they can have from empowering their users. I mean, one is, for instance, that in the blockchain games that, that are out there, the amount of money that's being spent by users on the game is between 10 and 20 times higher per user than in traditional games. And you have a much, much higher uh, percentage of people who actually are spending money because it's so easy, right? You can you can spend money in one game, earn something back, take that money and spend it in yet another game. Right, so that that is something that's definitely um, that's definitely beneficial. So the games that um, that we've been seeing in the in the kind of very traditional decentralized space, um, it, like not traditional but decentralized space, like uh, that are very strongly decentralized and have a lot of blockchain features. Basically, these have been profitable at very very small user numbers. Right. So it's much, much easier to build a simple game 
and be profitable with it um, than it is in a traditional space where it's basically impossible to build a game and be profitable with it without having hundreds of thousands at the very least, hundreds of thousands uh, of, of players um, at, at the very least, or even millions or tens of millions and um, in order to be profitable, right? Um, so that that is something that actually should make it easier for like to make this decision to, to, to get into the blockchain gaming space. But it's at the same time, it's harder to lay out a proper economy because you can't really take it back, right? Once it's out there, um, you have to kind of stick with it, um, at least in, in large parts, because these assets are already out there, especially the decentralized ones. But um, yeah, I think that this educational part is very diff is very important. Um, but also, as you said, the tools and the, and the standards. So there's there are very good standards for for collectibles and NFTs in the Ethereum world, but it's not as mature on other blockchains, which may be more performant. So um, that is definitely kind of an issue. And you basically you don't just need support of that um, of these standards in your game. You also need that in wallets. You need that in marketplaces, right? And um, OpenSea is a great example on on Ethereum. They have a daily volume of over a million in, in ETH every like daily, right? So that's quite a lot. That's but that's obviously minuscule yeah. compared to the overall gaming space. So um, that there's obviously a problem with with gas there. So the transactions are very ex expensive and so on. So there's a, a lot of things that need to happen in order for that to be mass market ready. But we see a lot of potential on other blockchains, like um, on, in the EOSIO space, uh, we have Atomic Assets, which has a very cool marketplace, very usable, very quick, very cheap, um, right? Um, it, this, the, the standard that they're using is pretty cool. It's just not as widely adopted. So um, yeah, we're, we're still in the in the very beginning, I would say. Um, and we need to provide incentives for game developers to actually adopt that uh, technology and and these these ecosystems in a very low risk way. So, like you said, uh, Adrian, we are still pretty early, and it looks like there's a lot of potential for crypto and blockchain tech to integrate itself with the gaming industry in many different ways, right? To move on to your company, that is Spielworks. We know that you have the Wombat Wallet, uh, which is an easy wallet to set up and use for EOS and Telos blockchains. Uh, and then recently you launched Wamplay as well, uh, which is a gaming rewards platform that pays its users in EOS tokens. So could you explain to us uh, the Wombat Wallet and Wamplay platform in greater detail? What is your business model around it? Uh, and also you just mentioned about uh, some of these other blockchains other than Ethereum, you know, which might have some benefits. So also could you elaborate a little bit more on, uh, you know, why you chose the EOS and Telos blockchains for your platform? Yeah, so... I'll, I'll start with a bit of historic background and, and how we've gotten to, to build Wombat, right? In 2018, uh, when we realized, when we saw that gaming was picking up um, a lot of the blockchain tech, we also saw that Ethereum scaling wouldn't be anywhere close. And it, it it's taking even longer than we had expected, but... Um, we had we thought that it would take a while to actually be realized on the Ethereum mainnet or on second layer solutions or whatever. So that's when 
if the EOS mainnet was launched in, in the second half of 2018, and we were watching this, and then we realized that not only was it more scalable, but also it provided for a much more user-friendly experience because it almost feels like you're not working with a blockchain when you use EOS IO-based blockchains like EOS and, and Telos or WAX because transactions are really fast, right? They get confirmed really quickly. So you basically, you have a pretty high likelihood, um, you have a, like high confidence that your transaction is being accepted by the network within a second. And um, that provides for a really cool user experience if you want to deal with that blockchain. So it's much more appealing to everyday users. And this is what we've always been looking for, right? We always wanted to build stuff that works for everyday users, for everyone. So this was the moment when we started watching EOS really closely. And then we realized, okay, so for EOS to pick up Steam in the uh, in the gaming space, it needs to be easy to onboard onto EOS. And it wasn't. It was really difficult. It could take days or even weeks to get an account on EOS that you could actually work with in 2018 and early 2019. And then when we launched Wombat, it took 17 seconds, right? And this was such an improvement. We wanted to kind of abstract away everything that is technical from users. So they shouldn't have to worry about transaction costs. They shouldn't have to worry about account creation, about key management, about whatever you might want to think of, right? So that's what, that's what we wanted to provide with Wombat. And that made us pretty successful in the EOS space because it had been so hard to onboard onto EOS and, and similar blockchains. So later on, unfortunately, there was an issue in the in the EOS network where transactions became much, much more expensive. And this, as like as we think, has caused a lot of projects to abandon EOS and go on to other similar blockchains or even totally different blockchains and even adopt Ethereum then. So that was an issue that um, that arose in November 2019. And um, this actually caused the, the EOS space to not be adopted by, by as many games as we had hoped, right? But back then, we already had hundreds of thousands of users. So we wanted to offer them something that would still be appealing and at the same time um, allow for more users to onboard our nice wallet solution even easier. And this is how we came up with OnePlay, which, as you said, is a gaming rewards platform where we pay people for downloading and playing mobile games and we reward them with EOS tokens. So we wanted to give people not just a token, but we wanted to reward them with cash-like rewards, right? There's a bunch of gaming rewards platforms out there who, which pay their users in Amazon vouchers or PayPal vouchers after they've reached a certain threshold, like they've played for five hours and then they get a $1 or 50 cent Amazon voucher. And we never wanted that. We never wanted our users to have to play for hours and hours and maybe days um, to, to then be able to get um, an Amazon voucher and then not know what you can actually buy with it, right? Because you then still have to 
take your own money and, and buy something on Amazon and if you want to use this, this voucher. So we wanted to give users cash-like rewards and be able to pay out even small amounts in like at low cost worldwide. And this is where EOS came in quite handy again because it's, it's still comparatively cheap to transfer even small amounts there. So this is what we could do. And then we also added support for non-blockchain games in OnePlay where, so that people could actually keep playing the games that they like to play, like real mass market games with tens or hundreds of millions of downloads, right? And earn crypto rewards with it and thereby actually getting exposure to crypto for the very first time in their lives. And this has been picked up by a lot of people. So OnePlay has been around since a little more than five months. And we're seeing so much support from publishers. We're seeing so many users who really like it, who play all games that we have, who uh, really love the rewards because they can cash them out or they can reinvest them into other games, into blockchain games, or put them in, in DeFi and so on. And this is, uh, this is exactly what we want, right? We want users to have a very risk-free um, way of getting into crypto and then be able to stick around and actually put, put the crypto that they've earned to use. That's a very interesting uh, point. In fact, actually, it reminds me of a similar kind of strategy, I think, that the Brave browser has, right? The thing I found interesting when I uh, when I was using that was that it would basically give you that token, which is BAT, for uh, spending time on various uh, websites. Then you earn a certain amount of BAT based on how often you open the Brave browser and how long you played uh, work, uh, used it. And uh, then you had the choice of then, you know, uh, tipping people. And this was obviously an advertising model. But I was actually curious. So how does that integration really work with non-crypto games? So I'm I'm aware that you guys have like a uh, Android app and an uh, iOS app and all that. Is Warmplay available as a plugin to the existing game, how how does one actually know that you have been using this, uh, playing this game for so long? So, OnePlay is basically just a website where we offer all these games. We might have an app uh, in the future for OnePlay, like a dedicated app for OnePlay, but uh, right now it's only web based. So you open OnePlay.io on your phone, and then you choose a game. You have to download it through our link. And if you do that, um, we can receive certain events um, from the publisher, right? And they will inform us about certain things that you've done, maybe how long you've played or um, which milestones you've reached in the game. And then we can pay out rewards to you based on these events that we receive, right? So, yeah, it's, it's a bit complicated um, from a technical perspective obviously there's a few layers in between but for the user we're trying to keep it as simple as possible and basically just credit um, credit the user with we call them wombucks which is kind of an intermediary currency that we have on oneplay and these one these wombucks you can then redeem for for eos and that's that's basically it right that that's um 
pretty much all there is. There's there's obviously more, right? There's we have challenges where it can get some extra, which are competitive, obviously. Um, and we're adding games every week. And we're adding more fun functionality every week. But in essence, it's as simple as that. You go to a website. Uh, you sign up with uh, just a social login, right? You get your wallet created in the background, actually. So you you own the crypto that you earn, right? We create a Wombat wallet account for you. We send the EOS that you earn directly to that account. So we don't we don't hold custody of that account anymore. And so if you want to, how how do you get the private key for that account? Um, that is where Wombat comes in because um, in Wombat. We have a backup solution where you can actually back your private key up yourself with our help, obviously, using your G Drive or Dropbox. And that way, you, your private key is available cross-platform, cross-device. So you can basically create your account and your have your private key on your Android phone, but then you can download the Chrome extension and can recover your key from there and use the same blockchain accounts on your Chrome extension without having to manually put in your recovery phrase or your your backed up private key, right? Because we we didn't want to necessarily expose users or have to expose users to their private key because it's scary yeah. <laughs> right no, if, no, if everything absolutely. is tied to that um so, uh, so uh, if, i mean yeah we could conceptually call it a token if that makes uh, makes it easier to kind of conceptualize that idea so um, forgive me but i just want to kind of put all of this together in my head so if i were to kind of uh start off as a newbie uh, i go to warmplay.io and i sign up using say my google account uh, so I uh, see uh, a bunch of games over there and I select my favorite uh, first-person shooter and I download that and uh, I start playing. Uh, so, and, but, but before that, when I signed up uh, in momplay.io, an account was created for me, uh, which is associated to my Google social account and uh, in which the uh, warm, bucks, warm bucks is going to be uh, credited, right? And so I play for some time. I, maybe I play for a week or so, and then I get a few warm bucks. And I, I, how how do I actually redeem that, or how do I find out about how much warm bucks I have, and how do I move it out into a warm bat wallet? So you had mentioned that okay, the warm bat wallet needs to be there. Is that uh, uh, separately installed, or is that something that uh, is available in WarmPlay.io when I just log in? So. As you said, you sign up with OnePlay.io. Um, you start downloading games, playing these games. They are all free-to-play games on, on mobile. Uh, you download them from the usual Play or App Store, and then you play them, and you you get credited one bucks, right? And as soon as you want to redeem your one bucks, um, you always see your one bucks well balance in OnePlay. And as soon as you want to redeem your one bucks. We currently have only one mechanism to do so, but there's going to be more soon. You join a cash out event and those we run those weekly and there's a pool of money that anyone can get. Um, and you basically contribute, you redeem your one bucks and you get like your share of the total pool um, based on your share of the total one bucks contributed. 
right? Okay. Um, so it's basically just a pro rata payout um, every week. Is that a constant amount? So like it's like a thousand EOS or something, for example, and uh, depending on how many one bucks you want, you can get a percentage of that. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, it's currently it's a thousand seven hundred dollars a week. We're increasing that every week. So it's a thousand seven hundred dollars in use. We wanted to keep it simple because most people who join it, they don't know what an EOS is, how much an EOS is worth and, and so on. So we're basically converting it at the time when we cash out. And when you're cashing out, you basically have to create your private key. We do that for you, right? We place that key in our backup solution uh, using your G drive or, or Dropbox and then in all, if you want to use or move your EOS that you've received, you have to download Wombat on your Android phone, your iOS phone, or your Chrome or Brave browser um, as an extension there. And then your key will be re-imported from your backup. And then you can basically start using it just as you can use any other wallet uh, with any other cryptocurrency, right? So this is the process. Yeah, awesome. So that sounds uh, pretty, I mean, it is a little involved, but pretty straightforward for when you consider how complicated other processes are. Uh, so kind of circling back to one of the original questions. So how are you planning to make money out of this? We we do have deals with the publishers. So we sometimes or we get a we get a share of what they are making with the games in different ways um because we're promoting them right but in general um we're basically circling back to to what we spoke about earlier we're effectively building a thin layer of blockchain on top of these games right because suddenly gamers get rewarded with blockchain assets for playing non-blockchain games, right? So that's actually their first exposure to cryptocurrencies and blockchain. And right now it's just EOS, but we're also we'll also be adding items and NFTs that people can earn by playing these games. So they will have even more exposure to blockchain-based assets from just playing traditional games through one play, right? So that way, we want to also educate people as to what it means to deal with blockchain-based assets. So they ideally will have more demand for, for, these, for these assets that they can own and for which scarcity can be proved in more like traditional mass market compatible games, right? So this is what we're working on. And now, right now, it's a very thin layer. And now we're working on making this this layer fatter so that um, also the publishers can see how many benefits it actually brings if users um, if users can actually have and own the assets that they earn from playing games and the, our first results look very promising so we have higher retention rates we have um, better conversion rates and so on when it comes to bringing, bringing people uh, into these games and um, paying them in blockchain-based rewards, basically. 
So do you also see this approach as maybe a significant way of on-ramping, you know, people into the DeFi ecosystem? So like, let's say once somebody redeems their warm bucks, uh, they have the option to cash out uh, either into EOS tokens or do they have an option to actually invest it into the DeFi ecosystem, maybe with one of the products? Yeah, so that's exactly something that we're working on in parallel, like in parallel to the to the OnePlay product and making that deeper. We also wanted want to make it super super easy for people to to deal with these DeFi products and DeFi protocols that are out there. And on EOS, there's quite a bunch. Most people don't know that, but um, pretty much in terms of functionality, um, pretty much the entire Ethereum based ecosystem has been replicated in in uh, on on the EOS mainnet. So there's uh, swaps um, like Uniswap, there's uh, DeFi Box and DeFi's network and and a few more uh, on EOS. There is there are lending platforms, there are synthetic assets and so on. So we we want to make it super easy for users once they've earned EOS to actually engage with DeFi with products that might offer yield on on their uh, on on the assets that they've earned and even play around with like very little risk right because they haven't had to spend a lot of money to get in they actually didn't have to spend any money to get in to get these rewards right and now they can they can go ahead and spend them or, or stake them into AMMs automated market makers um, they can borrow or lend assets and so on. So recently we launched a very simple front end, for instance, where people could just swap their EOS for uh, Bitcoin on the EOS network, so, so-called PBTC. And this is something that a lot of people are using to actually buy into Bitcoin that runs on the EOS blockchain, right? That's, so that's like wrapped BTC on, on Ethereum. It's a, it's a way of, of dealing with Bitcoin on the EOS network. And that this, this has been very, very successful. So we're, we're looking into offering more very, very simple DeFi interfaces where people don't need to understand what like staking liquidity means and pay a lot of gas fees in order to, to just swap a token once right right now on ethereum um it doesn't make sense to deal with amounts that are smaller than four or five digits because the gas costs are so high so for our users this eos ecosystem is actually a very nice on-ramp into the entire space and um, they can immediately deal with with DeFi products as soon as they've earned their first rewards or as soon as they've cashed in a few dollars or euros or whatever local currency uh, in in crypto themselves. So uh, we talked about uh, the on-ramp. Just for completeness, is there kind of like a clear path to converting this into either a stable coin or uh, or actually fiat currency uh, at this point? Or is that something that we are planning? You mean converting... EOS, um, my EOS. So I, I've got the wallet and I have EOS in my wallet and I just want to cash out. Um, so if you want to cash out, obviously you can go through Coinbase or any other... Okay, so it's uh, a centralized... Uh, okay, I get it. Um, um, we're also working with a few partners that are offering fiat on and off ramps, right? So you can do it from your wallet directly. 
but also you can you can swap them into into stable coins. Um, there are there's a bunch of stable coins on the EOS mainnet as well. There's USDT, like Tether is on the mainnet. Um, there's USN, like probably a dozen um, stable coins. If you want, you can could buy into stable coins. They're not as widely adopted. Um, like USDT on EOS is not as widely adopted as um, USDT on Ethereum. Exactly. Um, so that's a bit of a that's a bit of an issue at the moment. Um, but in general, that's that's totally possible. So you talked about you know adding more layers to this platform, and we talked about the the Wombat wallet and uh, some of the uh, the ways that these two interact. Can you talk about your experience? building for the EOS blockchain because you know traditionally you know when you talk about ethereum and all that everybody it suddenly goes into this complex gas mining and evm and crypto and uh, there's a whole bunch of complex things that you have to do and as a developer it becomes a little like okay there's this huge and uh, entire technical stack that you have to learn right how is this experience building on EOS? And uh, I, I read a little bit about Telos, and they're supposed to be a developer-focused kind of a fork of EOS as well, right? So uh, can you contrast these and kind of give us a flavor of how it is developing for these platforms? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm not developing myself, so my, my hands-on experience is a bit limited. But what I can generally say, um, I think it's kind of similar with all the platforms that um, in a way, it's kind of easy to get started with EOS. The good thing is that you can you can build smart contracts that run on the blockchain in a familiar language that's uh, C++. So that's maybe better than, than having to learn Solidity or whatever other language or Haskell <laughs> or whatnot. Um, so that's probably more familiar to most developers already. And then, uh, so that, that makes it easier. And then I think building something that can be really quick, then making it right can be really difficult. And then have to, ha having to live with the quirks of the platform can be a pain, right? Um, so I think that there's a lot of developer friendly decisions that have been made in, in EOSIO. C++ as the smart contract language is one. Um, another one is that you can actually easily update smart contracts, which makes it less risky if you deploy something because you can actually revert your changes. Um, and uh, on the other hand, that makes it less decentralized, right? If you can basically just always update a smart contract, then how do you keep control? And then um, that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, the quirks of the platform make it then a, a little bit of a pain because then you have to adopt um, multi-signature multi methods in order to make it auditable and secure so that you can't just update um, smart contracts on your own and so on, right? But um, I mean, there's right now there are solutions for all these things so that it's um, reasonably quick to start building on EOS. And I was actually surprised that um, how, or how quickly the EOS space picked up um, all the DeFi products that were coming out on on Ethereum, so basically, just two or three months later, um, every single protocol that was that was built and being hyped on Ethereum was being um, replicated on, on on the EOS ecosystem as well. And so that basically shows you that um, building on on EOS is reasonably simple, I believe. 
But in the end, I think it's a lot about um, building building for a good UX. And this is as difficult as it's always been, right? So obviously building with a blockchain is a little bit more challenging when it comes to user experience um, than building traditional web applications. But I think we're, we're slowly but surely getting there. Okay. So, so could you talk a little bit about uh, why you adopted Telos? Um, I mean, it's it's very simple to to integrate with other EOSIO based blockchains, right? There's this, the software is called EOSIO, and based on that software, the EOS mainnet and Telos and a bunch of other um, blockchains have been built. And we always want to go where we have good content and where we can offer our users something that makes sense. We don't just want to implement blockchains just because we can, um, but we want to do that um, with with blockchains where um, there are good dApps, good de decentralized apps running on, on this blockchain and where it's reasonably easy to use them. So Telos was a simple choice. We're also planning to integrate with other EOSIO-based blockchains uh, but um, Telos, uh, we were approached by them and uh, we had very good talks and um, they have pretty good, cool visions um, for what they're doing and what they're doing differently than, than EOS. So we're having a very good relationship with the Telos Foundation and so on. So that was a, a very quick one for us to adopt. And the good thing with Telos is, as compared to EOS is it's much, much cheaper to get onboarded there and to to sign transactions so that was an argument for us as well that it's like an order of magnitude faster like maybe not faster but cheaper um to to get resources on-chain resources uh, from the telos network as compared to eos have you thought about you know in future maybe uh, using some of these uh, you know, blockchain interoperability solutions that are coming out, right? So I uh, recently, we learned that Polkadot has come out and uh, it's uh, gone to mainnet. And uh, there's another one, Cosmos also has recently, uh, in fact, actually it came out a couple of years back. Uh, and these are kind of blockchain interop interoperability solutions. Perhaps uh, have you thought of maybe looking at if uh, there is a way for not just you know, EOS to other chains, but uh, also, you know, help other chain folks to kind of get into EOS and Warmplay and all of those. Yeah, we're definitely adopting other blockchains, right? We're not stuck to EOS or Telos at all. Um, this was just a matter of um, usability and, and opportunity um, when, when, we, when we launched them. So we're already preparing support for Ethereum, among others. Um, and the Ethereum, obviously, is going to be the most important one when it comes to gaming and in-game assets and, and DeFi. Um, but we're always looking into uh, blockchains that, like I said, offer good content. So we're not that much interested in, the, in developing anything when it comes to interoperability because um, that's a very hard topic and um, we're better making use of of solutions that somebody else has built who are like people who are spending all their time and energy on just making it possible to, to be interoperable between chains. But uh, we're obviously looking closely at Polkadot and, and all these protocols that are coming out because we're, we're seeing a lot of potential there that there will be premier 
um, or, or great content in terms of uh, decentralized apps and, and uh, tokens and DeFi and so on on these networks. Right. So that's a great point. So when you say that, okay, we're building it for other blockchains, does that mean that the Wombat wallet is going to support these other currencies natively and you'll be able to convert between them? Yes. Yeah. So that's that's what we're planning. We're not planning to to build this bridge ourselves. So we'll be we'll be using third party services. That's what we always do if if things are really hard, right? To to get right because for us it's not the the goal is not that we control everything. The goal is that we have a really good UX for all aspects of of things that we're offering. And if we can can find somebody who's offering a good UX for for a certain aspect, then we'll we'll adopt that. Um, and only if we don't find anybody, we'll we'll build it ourselves. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. It's been uh, a long time coming, but uh, now slowly, you know, the idea that a good user experience is key <laughs> is slowly kind of getting hold in blockchains, and that's uh, that's great to see. So, moving the topic to another another point in terms of the blockchain industry in general, what do you think? is kind of some of the promising innovations that you see that's happening and uh, that you feel have uh, great potential, both from your uh, from the company perspective, from Spielworks perspective, and perhaps maybe from the larger overall perspective as well. Yeah, um, there's a lot going on, <laughs> right? So it's it's really hard to to tackle to tackle it all. Um, but w- what we're seeing is that. Um, while DeFi has been really hot for more than a year now, it, we see more and more adoption and picking up of DeFi in the gaming space. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, because when we talk, and now, now we're, we're taking that a step further than, than we already had, right? Um, when, when we talk about in-game assets as being ownable and, and tradable assets, you can obviously also start building financial systems around those. And we just spoke about DeFi. Um, so now we can actually turn in-game assets into financial instruments. And this sounds totally weird at first, right? Yeah, but it does, when, to be honest. <laughs> but when you have a deeper look, people are spending more and more time online. They're spending more and more time in virtual worlds. And then we're not necessarily talking about people like myself. I'm a bit too old, maybe. But um, our kids' generation or Gen Z, uh, they are spending so much time online and so much time in games, and they're spending so much money in those games. And if they have in-game assets, these assets are actually worth quite a lot, right? So why wouldn't you think of generating some yield out of these assets that are actually worth quite a lot, right? The simplest example that you could give is that you earn or 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 buy an in-game item and you don't need it yourself right now. That may be a weapon and this weapon in, a, in an RPG um, may not be suited for for your character, right? But you 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 think that you might be you might be will, wanting to play this character at some point, so you don't really want to sell it. But now you could actually lease it. You could you could lend it, right, and generate some some yield on that. So that's the simplest thought that you could have, right? A slightly more complex example could be that 
if you have such an item that, that might be a valuable collectible, and some of these collectibles have uh, have been traded for hundreds of thousands of dollars already, or even more, maybe maybe a million or even more than a million. Now, if you know that you have a super scarce and super valuable asset, you might want to use it as a collateral to borrow money, keep this asset, right? But have an option to like deal with more liquid assets. So you might want to use that as um, as a collateral for a loan. Um, but in order to use that as a collateral for a loan, you need to know what a price of that is going to be, right? And your counterparty also needs to know that. Um, so um, that is a bit of a problem. But this is exactly where we're going right now, that with all these layers of blockchain and, uh, and of digital assets that we're building within within the gaming and blockchain space, this will be possible. So these are just very simple examples of what you could do with in-game assets and you can obviously think about everything else based on top of that right but um this is just the, the simplest things that you could yeah, imagine yeah and I'm, I'm already thinking in terms of you know if you have an asset that's uh that's ex- that expensive you can almost already immediately see the uh, insurance folks coming and saying hey i can insure that for you <laughs> Uh, in case you get uh, stolen uh, and uh, all that. And then obviously, uh, like you very correctly pointed out, price discovery and assessment of value uh, is going to become, uh, that That also would potentially become a service, right? Like for today, how we go and uh, get things assessed at Sotheby's or do some kind of auctioning of things to find out, you know, what the potential value of stuff is. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, that you can do. Yeah, that's that's a very great point. So it becomes like your second life. You have a, a game life that actually provides real world value for you. Yeah, and building these um, these financial economies and financial systems on top of these assets is the first step, and then bridging this to the real world, which may be less and less necessary actually because you're spending more and more time online anyway but um, at some point you might still want to buy some food for, from uh, from the digital assets that you've had but that's also already possible and it's gonna it's only be, gonna become easier if we're looking at PayPal and Visa adopting crypto right it's only gonna get easier um, from now to actually spend your virtual assets on things in the in the physical world so i'm really looking forward to the next five to ten years where we'll see all that adopted in the mass market and uh, yeah people actually be able to like lend a sword in in an rpg and buy some food in a store with that that's so awesome yeah i mean and and i mean speaking of uh, earning a living in a game we already have esports and you already have people making a living out of playing games. So this is kind of like almost taking it to a whole another level, right? Where you basically, yeah. you don't have to be the 1%. This is gaming for the average gamer. Here's a way for you to actually make some money while you're doing it. This is this is uh, really awesome uh, speaking about this. Uh, so Adrian, we all obviously talked about warmplay.io and... Uh, the Wombat wallet and things like that. Uh, can you can you maybe talk, tell us how our audience can find out more information 
Do you have any places that we could go for developer resources or to get involved in some way? Yeah, sure. So you, you, we've already been talking about OnePlay.io, right? So just just go to the website, check it out. You can sign up in five seconds and uh, download your first game and start playing and earning. Um, so that's very simple. You can check out Wombat under getwombat.io. You can find us on Twitter. So the links are on the websites. Um, that's probably the easiest. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on Telegram, on Discord. So just reach out to us. We're always open to talk about partnerships, about people who are building something. We, we can help bring bring apps and games to, to a lot of gamers and users. So um, we're always looking for, for great content, for great games, for developers who are eager to build something, for people who just want to learn about blockchain and what it is. So we're, we're here and we're excited to get more people on in this space. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's been a very enlightening conversation, Adrian. Thank you uh, for uh, indulging us for so long. KK, any thoughts? Uh, like you said, it's been a very enlightening conversation and uh, it's it's really great to see, you know, how the gaming use cases are actually getting realized and uh, have the potential to get realized in the future. So uh, for our audience, uh, you know, when we began this podcast about a couple of years back, blockchain and gaming was one of our early episodes, maybe episode four or five. Uh, so please feel free to check it out if you're interested. It looks like quite a lot has changed since then. Uh, industry has grown and uh, now real products like Wombat and Wombplay are making their way into the market. So I think it's definitely an interesting space to keep an eye on and uh, we wish you the best. Thanks a lot and thanks again for having me. It was a great conversation and good luck for you. All right, folks, that concludes our podcast. We hope that you found this episode useful. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, you can learn more about us on bcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.